Okay, I think we're about, uh, I think time is all set. Why don't we take a minute and, and pray? Father, we pause, um, we lift our voice to you, and uh, we do pray that you would uh, guide our thoughts. Help us, I pray, those of us who are here, uh, to be able to um, just uh, appreciate this day, to be able to be, uh, to learn and grow. Uh, in this area of understanding your word as it applies to trying to help others to be a burden bearer. So I pray for this session and um, discerning the problem. I pray that you will help me to communicate it well, and more importantly, that you would um, help those who are here, the hearers, to be able to um, grasp it and be able to utilize it on your behalf and on um, behalf of your people, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Okay, sorting out the Consolese problems. Uh, in the workbook, uh, the outline is on. I got a pretty detailed outline, okay, for you. Uh, I'm not a PowerPoint guy, guy um, but the uh, outline would be pretty detailed, and I'll tell you where I'm going along if I'm on number one or Roman numeral one or whatever. Um, and, um, uh, but let me re- let's read uh, underneath the box. Underneath the description, there's a paragraph there, if you would look at that with me, please. As data is being gathered in counseling sessions, the next step is to analyze the data so as to draw some some conclusion where change is needed in the counselee's life. And this can be done by organizing the data into different categories. Okay, you're... You're, you're gathering data. You know, your first session is a lot of data being gathered, right? And how many of you here counsel formally at all? Anybody counsel formally? A few of you, okay? And, uh, but when you're gathering data, you know, and this is something you're always doing, you're always adding um, uh, information, you're, you're gaining information all the time. And um, what I like to do is kind of organize it, organize the data, especially on complex, uh, some... Uh, uh, my wife and I do mainly marriage counseling in our church, and uh, marriage counseling far outnumbers everything else, and it's very complex, right? Anybody deal with marriage counseling? Because you've got two people together. It's easier to deal with one person generally, but when you have two, uh, it gets more complex. And I have found doing this, uh, um, organizing the data, helps me sort things out. Hi, Glenn. Hi, Glenn. And you're going, to need to, so you're going to need to draw some conclusions about what's going on in the consulate's life and, and why. Why is that taking place in their life? So you can decide what you want to do about the problem, you know, according to Scripture. So the first thing we need to, uh, uh, under uh, the first point, uh, Roman numeral one, I don't know if it does, uh, I don't think they put the Roman numeral on there, but it says three dimensions to problem. That's the first thing we need to understand is that there are three dimensions to problems. Uh, due to the, the spiraling, uh, spiraling uh, nature uh, of sin, problems become more and more complex. And that's why I say it's important to, to sort them out. And you can do this by viewing the, uh, the data on three levels. Okay, understanding the three levels of problems. The first level would be uh, called, you could call the, the presentation level of the problem. And that first, that's number one. Uh, and then a first bullet under that says, this is what motivates a person to seek counseling. This is what propels them 
to come and, and, and ask for help. This is a, usually the type of problem that makes the constantly realize that they need help. This is not the root of the problem, okay? It's a result of the root of the problem. Unfortunately, the consulee thinks that usually that's the root of the problem, okay? The presentation level of the problem sounds something like this. Well, how, uh, what's the problem? Uh, I, I feel depressed. Um, my marriage is falling apart. I'm just not happy anymore. I'm tired all the time. People that work there, they're difficult to get along with, and I think they're out to get me. My teenage son is rebellious. That would be a presenta- those would be examples of presentation problems. And the next bullet says, it's what the person feels or perceives his actual problem to be, and it's often presented as a cause, but in actuality, it is often the effect of the real cause. Okay? Now, as I go through these, we're going to work through these. We're going to do like a little workshop later. So I'm giving you definitions and under, uh, uh, of these things, and, um, and then it's easier to actually work through these groupings, and we're going to do a couple of case studies. The second would be known as the performance level of the problem. So you got the presentation, what's presented to you, then you got the performance level of the problem. And that first bullet says, the performance level refers to the unbiblical behavior that affects the presentation problem. Now, this is the, the actions we're talking about now, and words, unbiblical actions and words that are outwardly you know, displayed by this person and reflect how this individual is responding to God, to other people, to circumstances in their life. It, it, this is not so much what, uh, what, someone, uh, um, what someone did to you, you know, but what you did, you know. How are you responding to what someone did to you? And then the third uh, level of the problem would be known as the preconditioning level of the problem, the preconditioning level. And that first bullet uh, uh, defines it as, this is getting to the root or the underlying cause of the problem. This is the place where sin originates, the heart. Okay? And the heart can be defined as a place of our thoughts, our beliefs, our motives, and our desires that governs a person. Who, uh, somebody uh, have a Bible's handy, right, uh, real handy. If one person could look up for me, Mark chapter seven, Mark chapter seven, and verses. I want you to read verses twenty-one through twenty-three. Somebody, yes, yes, okay. Anybody volunteer there? Somebody look up uh, Hebrews four twelve, please. Hebrews four twelve back there, and James four one through three. Thank you. This just gives you a little bit of understanding of what the Bible says about the heart. <clears throat> if you could read uh, Mark 7, verses 21 through 23. This is Jesus speaking. And he says, For from within, mm-hmm. out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, Amen. 
So uh, I don't think there's probably a more important thing that could be said about why we do what we do than what Jesus says there. And he says it also in Matthew chapter 12, chapter 14. He says it also in uh, Luke 6, uh, little variations of the same thing there. But there's not a more important thing to be said about what motivates us as human beings to do it. There is a big, huge field in psychology today trying to figure out what motivates people. And there it is right there, 2,000 years ago, right? Who has James chapter 4? James expands on this now. Who has James chapter 4, verses 1 through 3? Expands on what Jesus says. Yes. From which come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lust that war in your members? You lust and have not. You kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you have not, because you ask. Read that first line again, the first uh, sentence. From which? From, yeah, that one. From which comes wars and fights among you? Very good. That, isn't that a good question to ask the couple that's, in, that's uh, having communication battles? What causes fights? And um, uh, uh, what is it in DSV? Uh, you were reading the, the King James there. But what causes quarrels and fights among you? There you go. And, um, and that's a good question for a couple to ask, and it, explains, and it tells us right there. You know, your passions, things that are within you, you desire, you covet, there's things you want. It's talking about our, our, our uh, motives and desires and so on. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4, who has that in verse 12, talks about the Word of God, yes. For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of soul and spirit, Discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. See? The thoughts and the intentions of the heart, our motives, and, and so on. So um, this is getting to the preconditioning level. This is getting to the underlying cause, the root of the problem. Preconditioning means that, that people, we train our hearts through practice, practice and habit. We train our hearts to think a certain way and to want certain things. And uh, our hearts are conditioned or, or accustomed to respond to certain situations and uh, the circumstances in a particular way. And that second bullet states what a person believes to be true and what they desire most will rule them and precondition their behavior, responses, and choices. See, the, the preconditioning level of the problem creates the problems of, uh, uh, of, of number one and two, the performance and the, and, and the uh, uh, presentation level. And the constantly is often blind to that. They don't know what's taking place underlying in the heart. Now, let me give you an example. It's on page 36. This is a case study of a young man. His name is Harry. Now, that's not his, this is a, a real person, but that's not his real name. And I name him Harry for a reason. <laughs> but uh, as we read it, I want you to see if you can identify these three levels, okay? Harry was a young man who suffered from feelings of depression. So he sought counseling from a biblical counselor. As the counselor gathered data, he discovered that his depression started a few years earlier when Harry realized that he was going bald. 
Harry had a strong desire to get married. However, he thought that his desire for marriage was not going to be realized since he felt increasingly unattractive and he grew into conviction that no woman would want him because of his baldness. As he grew in this conviction, he began to rehearse negative, untruthful thoughts about himself. I'm ugly. No woman will want me. Only good-looking men find a wife. Harry also began to withdraw from others. He became angry at God and stopped attending church. Now, question. How would you distinguish those three, uh, three uh, problem levels that we just took a look at? How would you, where would you see the presentation level of the problem? Who can, who can identify the presentation level? Very good. Right at the beginning there. Harry was a young man who suffered from feelings of depression. And where would you see the performance level? Where's the performance level? How would identify that? There you go. Excellent. The last sentence. Harry also began to withdraw from others, became angry at God, and stopped attending church. How about the preconditioning level? Who can identify the preconditioning level here? Very good. Right. As he grew in his conviction, there was a belief now he had. This is a belief that Harry had, contrary to what the scriptures teach, right? He was preconditioning himself. He began to rehearse these negative, untruthful thoughts. I'm ugly. No woman's going to want me. Right? They only, only good-looking men uh, find a wife. This is, he's preconditioning himself. He kept feeling uh, increasingly unattractive and so on. Do you see why it's, it would be necessary in this case of Harry for the counselor to move from the presentation level that he, he came in, I'm depressed, to the performance level, and then eventually the, to the preconditioning level in order to find out the source of Harry's feelings of depression? It's untruthful, destructive thinkings and beliefs. That was his problem. He was lying to himself. What is Satan's greatest strategy against us? What's his greatest strategy? What is it? Huh? Lies. He's the father of lies, Jesus said. That's his greatest strategy. Lies. Now we got a lot of whole oh, we got a lot of Christians thinking weird things about the devil and things that he does. His greatest strategy is lies in simple terms. And how do we, def- how do we um, um, defend against that? Through the, through the Word of God, through the truth of the Word of God, through the truth, exactly. See, if, if this counselor would have only focused on his symptom, his depression, feelings of depressions, rather than the cause, he wouldn't have gotten anywhere, would he? No. The underlying cause of Harry's problem, the preconditioning level, was a lack of trust in God's grace and God's sovereign care. The truth is that God is able to rise, raise up a, 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 a suitable wife for Harry, right? All right. I see a lot of bald guys with beautiful wives, right? <laughs> and, uh, or if he doesn't send a wife his way, he's able to give him the grace to live without a wife, right? Either way. 
uh, uh, you know, if, if God chose not to. Now, unfortunately, what I have found is that a typical and sad scenario that often takes place and actually did take place in Harry's life is that he went to a doctor about his depression and the doctor immediately put him on antidepressants. They took the depression as the root of the problem. And that happens a lot, you know. His depression was viewed as the root of the problem, a chemical imbalance rather than a symptom to something deeper, and thereby only relieving the symptom and not the underlying cause of the feelings of depression, which was untruthful thoughts and beliefs resulting in a lack of trust in God's sovereign care. Do you see why it's so important? Uh, how, uh, do you see how... Uh, that would be a, an, in, a, uh, an insufficient diagnosis and how important it is to get to the root of the problem. Unfortunately, that's too common a, a scenario. Now, before we go on to the, to the next point, is there any, anybody need any clarity on this? This could be, yes. Would it be accurate to say, um, as, as Rukas made just a concise statement, that he's engaged in heart idolatry? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. He's going after a broken cistern. In other words, yeah. he's not satisfied mm-hmm. in Christ alone. Yeah, yeah. He needs air. Yeah, yeah, right, right. And hired idolatry is just, uh, he just knocked Christ off the throne and he put something else on the throne. This desire for a wife was obsessive and there was a lack of uh, trust in it as well. Good. Anybody else? Okay, so that trying to understand the three different levels to the problem. How many have heard those three levels of the problem before? Okay, uh, uh, Jay Adams, of course, writes about it in his book, Competent to Counsel and Christian Counsel's Manual. I have uh, uh, page numbers for you, too, if you want to do a little extra under that uh, Roman number one, three-dimensional problems. I got page numbers if you want to do a little extra study on that. Now, bring it to point number two, Roman numeral two. Organizing the data on page 37. Organizing the data. It's helpful to organize the data into four categories. As you organize the data into these four categories, what it will help you do is see the big picture here. Okay, It will help you identify the kinds of information you also might, might still need. You know, it will help you kind of get to the root or the heart of the problems. Have you ever been in a counseling situation and something's not clicking? It's been several sessions already, and there's just something not clicking, you know? And I remember early on in counseling uh, that something wasn't clicking, you know? And then, and then uh, it dawned on me there's some information I wasn't getting. There was some data that someone was holding back, you know? And, I, and, and it was true. That was the case. Uh, but uh, it kind of helps you. This kind of helps you get a big picture here. Now, here's the four categories, Okay, the first is the situation and the problem. This is on a presentation level. In other words, what is or was going on with the consulate, when, where, and with whom? And the next bullet says, here we place all the information that describes the consulate's personal world, both present and past, you know, their pressures, their major events, their influences, their temptations, their trials, suffering, key relationships. And then the second category would be behavior and responses. This is the performance level. What does the person say and do in response to what's going on? So the first is what's going on. 
Okay? And the second is, what do they say and do in, re, in response to go, what's going on? Their emotions, their actions, their reactions, their choices, and their words. And here you're focusing on their behavior. You're focusing on the data that describes uh, his or her uh, reaction or response to, to what's going on. And then that next bullet says, as you do this, look for themes and patterns, you know, which is typical behavioral responses of the consulee in certain situations. You run into a consulee who has a problem with self-control. That can carry over. That's a pattern in her life. It could carry over into a lot of different areas. You look for that. Not necessarily always, but sometimes it can. It's like self-control in sexual life, like finances, you know, spending, you know, and various things. So what are typical ways this person responds to situations and people? And these themes and patterns are going to give you the idea of what's going on in their heart. And then a third category, which now brings us into the preconditioning level, there's two sections to this. The first is thoughts and beliefs. Try to, when you listen to them talk, when you're asking questions and probing for data, and you're, I always write down, I write down uh, things. I have a, I try to write kind of quick so I have a big, big legal pad that I put it on, then I transfer my notes to this chart I'm going to show you in a minute. But I write real fast. When I write fast, I got to write, <laughs> I write real big. <clears throat> so um, I don't try to put it on the chart itself. I, I would. I would have uh, one sentence on the whole thing, but um, but you think you, you listen to what they're saying and and some beliefs, they're thinking, the word want, they want they want this or similar to that, you know, and that's that now you're getting to the underlying cause of the problem. <clears throat> what the person think? What what does the person think about what is going on? That is. How, does the, how is the person interpreting their, their particular situation or their problem? You know, well, life stinks, you know, or, or God's mad at me type of thing. And the second bullet says, this is getting to the heart. In other words, the, when I talk about the heart, the inner, we know we're talking about the inner person, not this thing that's pumping here, right? You know, we're, we're, uh, man is made up of material and immaterial. The material, our body, that includes our brain, all our functions, the body. And then there's the immaterial part, you know, that uh, what the Bible normally calls the heart, you know, where, and there's a lot of synonyms to it, the soul, the spirit, and so on. But, um, and, and the heart thinks, right? So uh, this is getting to the heart, the inner person that influences the person's behavior, responses, and choices. Look for distorted and unbiblical thinking. And this will help you in getting to the root of their problem. If a person has a distorted or unbiblical view of God, wouldn't that affect their life? If they have a distorted or unbiblical view of themselves, wouldn't that also affect their lives, even of others, or life trials, right? Or suffering, right? Why do we have trials and suffering in life? Why? Yeah, we live in a fallen world. We live in a fallen world. It's just part of the world. It's just part of life. You know, it's not heaven. You know? So, uh, and people need to understand that. But God does give us, he, 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 we know that in his word. That's why we have suffering and trials in this world. And, and um, 
That's why it's not a fair word. It's not a, life is unfair and there's evil and everything else. Uh, you know, but he also tells us that he, he, there's hope there because he uses these things to transform us into the likeness of Christ, right? So if a person has a distorted and unbiblical view of God, self, others, life trials, their past, their future, then they're not going to behave or respond properly to what God allows in their life. Amen? And then third category would be desires and motives. Uh, this is under preconditioning as well. What, the pers- what does the person want out, out of what is going on? This really makes us what we are. What do we want? What do we desire? You know, what do we covet? What do we lust for? You know, these things, you know, um, which really boils down to what he said about the uh, uh, idolatry of the heart. What does the person want out of what's, go- what's going on? That is the person's desires, goals, purposes, what they treasure, their motives, their values, their idols. What does he or she live for? What really rules his or her heart? Is it money and possessions, power and control, peace and comfort, praise and recognition? Is it the fear of man? See, this is identifying now the desires and pursuits have become an idol in someone's heart. They've dethroned Christ. Proverbs 20 and verse 5 says this, The purpose in a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. The last two categories, thoughts and beliefs and desires and motives, will help you get to the heart of the person's problem. The behavior and responses of category 2 are the result of a person's thoughts, beliefs, desires, and motives of category 3 and 4. I'm going to repeat that. The behavior and the responses of category two are the result of a person's thoughts, beliefs, desires, and motives in categories three and four. Whatever's on the throne of a person's heart is going to control their behavior. Our, our desires battle for control within us. We, we, we all live for what we treasure in our heart, don't we? And behind every action, behind every reaction, behind every response, are desires, motives, intents, and purposes. A husband comes home from work, and he he has this thing. I just want peace and comfort. I want you know. I want peace and comfort. Peace and comfort. Peace and quiet at home. But yet he's got three three young kids at, at, at home, right? And he's got this peace and comfort that he wants. I mean, is there anything wrong with peace and comfort? Nothing wrong with it. But it's become a God in his heart. It's become an idol or idolatry in his heart. When he wants it so bad, now he sins to get it. Starts screaming and yelling at his wife and screaming and yelling at his kids. I want that peace and quiet. I work hard all day. Now he's sinning to get it, right? That's the point here. A wife wants her husband to show more affection, to be more intimate with her, right? Anything wrong with that? Shouldn't a wife want her husband to be more affectionate and have more intimate relationship with her? Of course she should. But she, if she starts sinning to get it, she wants it so much, it becomes an idol. And then she starts screaming or yelling, you know, maybe won't do certain responsibilities or whatever, you know, around the home to try to punish him, to get him to show more 
uh, intimacy. So you see how this works. You know, a young single woman wants a man. She wants a man, wants to get married. And then she, but she gets obsessed with it, and then she starts dressing a certain way and doing a certain thing, or even maybe having sex with the man, thinking that's what's going to make her get a husband and so on. So that, uh, this helps us understand these, these thrones. You know, sometimes what I like to do is, I'm not the best drawer here, so is get a, is, I, I do a throne. <coughs> uh, no, that's a throne, okay? This is a throne. And uh, that's about as good as I can do. And there's Christ on the throne, right? And then below, and then below this throne, A, B, C, D, uh, and it goes on and on are all our desires, okay? And, and uh, but they're under the throne. Christ is Lord of our lives. These are in subjection. There's nothing wrong with desires. That makes us human, right? We have thousands of them. <coughs> But what happens is when, and I'll show them, what happens here is when this desire, A, you know, starts coming, and then it's going to climb on the throne, and then Christ is, is knocked off. That's what happens in our heart, you know, and I kind of show them, I go a little more involved in that, but kind of show them how... This, this takes place in our lives. You know, you, you can generally figure out when a, a desire has gone bad or even a good desire has gone bad just by uh, two things. Am I willing to sin to get it or, or am I willing to sin uh, or, do I, or am, I, and am I sinning when I don't get it? Those two questions. Am I willing to sin when I, uh, to get it or am I willing to sin uh, when, I, when I don't get it? So, but these four categories here, you know, will help you sort out the data to see where change is needed. Now, now I know this is a mouthful when I'm giving you, especially if this is new. If this is, if this is, how much is this relatively new to? How many of you? A few? Not too many? Okay. Because if it's new, it could be a mouthful here. But, so let me give you um, an example. Look at uh, the chart on page 38. Um. Actually, I'm not doing an example yet. This is uh, just gives a little more. On page 38, it's, uh, I'll get the, exa- the examples coming yet. That's on page 39. But look on page 38 where it says, Discerning the Problem Analysis Chart. I, I kind of devised this chart as a guide to synthesize and summarize these three levels into four categories. What I, what I more or less did was synthesize Adam's uh, three levels of problems and uh, Paul Tripp's four categories. Uh, and, and synthesize them together. Uh, but the presentation level or the situation or problem, we know what is going on, where, with whom, um, and when, and with, uh, when, where, with whom. Now, this is this, just so you know, this, uh, these categories, this is not the root problem, but the reason a person seeks counseling. And you include all info that describes the person's personal world, both past, present, their pressures, their major events, their influences, temptations, trials, sufferings, and key relationships. And then number two, the performance level or the behavior and responses. What does the person say and do in response to what's going on? This is unbiblical behavior that affects the presentation problem. This is the fruit of the root problem. How the person is responding to God, other people, circumstances, and so on. 
This is their actions, their reactions, their choices, their behavior, their words. And you want to look for themes and habit patterns. You, know, you want to look for typical ways the person responds to the situation. Uh, like I said, you know, a lack of self-control can carry over to sex, finances, eating, um, drinking, and so on. Um, then there's the preconditioning problem, uh, which get, now you're getting to the heart or the root of the problem. And there's two categories to this, but this is the root or the underlying cause of the problem. This is the place where sin originates, the heart. Thoughts, beliefs, motives, and desires that reign in a person, uh, that reign in a person. What a person believes to be true and what they desire most will rule them and precondition their behavior, responses, and choices. So... In these two categories, thoughts and beliefs, what does the person think about what's going on? You listen for that in the data gathering. You know, is there some distortion of biblical thinking about God's self, others, trials, life, and past and future? And then desires and motives. What does the person want out of what is going on? You know, their motives, their intentions, their desires, their lusts, their expectations, their demands, their heart treasures and idols. What does he or she live for? What really rules uh, his or her heart? Okay? And, you're, and as I said, the way you can know what really rules a person's heart or your own heart is if you sin to try to get it. Or if somebody's hindering it, you'll sin, you know, when you don't get it. All right, that gives you just kind of, I just kind of put that together for, uh, um, so you see what kind of what goes in uh, these particular categories. Now look on page thirty-nine for an example of this <clears throat> example of the discerning problem. Um, a married couple came and sought counseling. Okay, this is some years back, and one of the issues. Now this is just one of the issues. There were many things on this. This was like. Phew, uh, quite a quite a problem in many, many different ways. But here's one strand of the problem. Sometimes problems in marriage are like, uh, did you ever have my grandmother, my Italian grandmother used to knit, you know, or was it, what do they call it? Is it knitting or can I remember? No. And then, some, not, not, not cross-stitch, but the, she always had this, she would do something, and then she'd have some string left, and they wouldn't throw it away because they threw, grew up through their depression, Right. And they put it in, put it in a ball, and then they do something else. And then there's another string, and they're all this big ball with all these different colors in there, you know. And that's kind of like how problems are in people's life sometimes, you know. This big ball of yarn with uh, 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 and all different colors and all these little strands in there, and you got to try to take a strand at a time out, right, and try to uh, figure this thing out. Um, but one of the issues that sir, that's how these, this couple was. But just the one strand that surfaced was a relationship between the man and his son. And here is a summary of the four categories. Okay? Because there was so much stuff that was thrown at me, and me and my wife were there, and uh, <clears throat> there was so much, and we were just starting out, as a matter of fact, counseling them years back. And it was like, boy, you're just, your head was swimming. And then finally, when I put things in categories, I was able to take this strand out. Okay? Okay, here's the presentation, love, of the situation. The relationship between the father and his 13-year-old son was on a downward spiral. The son is disrespectful and sasses back to his father when the father tries to discipline or correct his behavior. Now, these were church members, too. 
the son, you know, grew up in the church. Uh, the father has been inconsistent in disciplining his son. Okay, the, that's the presentation level. That's, that's what's been going on, the situation. Now, on the performance level, this is the father's behavior. We're looking at just the father. The son wasn't in there. What does the person say and do in response? Well, the father clams up, then blows up when he's had enough from his son. Then he curses and swears. He does not enforce the rules. He says he's too tired after work. These are his own words that I write down notes. And he's inconsistent in his son's discipline. This I picked up from the wife. Now, here's the preconditioning. And now we're getting to the root of the problem. Here's the father's thoughts and beliefs. What does the person think about what's going on? Well, he thinks his son will not like him if he reprimands or disciplines him. (coughs) He has the wrong concept of love. He does not know how to discipline his son in the correct way. These are things that, that, that they found out. Now we're starting to get to the underlying problem in, 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 uh, in, the, father's, uh, in the father's life. He, he thinks his son won't like him if he reprimands him. So a lot of people think that, right? And, and he has the wrong concept of love. Now the father's desires and motives, uh, what does he want out of what's going on? Well, he wants to be liked by his son. He, he wants to be a son's buddy. He doesn't want his son to think badly of him. He wants to be liked. And then I found out later that he had a problem at work. Um, I found this out through his wife. as She said something, and it was almost like a peripheral thing. He wants, uh, at work, he, uh, he wants everyone to like him and not think badly of him. This produces an internal pressure of trying to accommodate everybody. And his co-workers take advantage of this. He comes home upset, in a bad mood. He complains to his wife, and he snaps at his son. So when I, when I look at this whole thing here, this strand of this situation, here's what I think the possible work problem is, based on the data. He's a people pleaser. He has a fear of man. See, you see how this kind of, see how this works? Now, let's take, uh, let's take a case uh, study on this. Um, look, turn, if you would, to uh, Genesis chapter 4. We have to a quarter after, right? Genesis chapter 4. And I want to read the first eight verses. And here's what I'm going to want you to do. We're going to, I want to try to, um, and this isn't the best room for this, is it? I was hoping we could do a little workshoppy thing here. Um, working in groups of three or four. Um, what I want to do, I want to, let's read the first eight verses. Uh, follow along with me. Now Adam knew his wife... And she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the first fruit of his flock and of their fat portions. 
And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. And the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Now, what I would like for us to do here, just uh, uh, as kind of uh, practice, um, is to... uh, um, I wanted to try to work in some groups, in, in, in a group of uh, maybe three or four of you each, and, and try to go over uh, the rest of these things. Can we do this? Is it possible? Maybe you three back there can work together. Maybe some of you here, maybe turn back uh, three here and somehow here. I don't know. Maybe Let's try to see if we can work this out and if we can uh, do it. Is this possible or no? Are you guys are looking at me like I'm cracking up right now. Am I cracking up? Is this not going to work? No, we're good. Okay, I think it would be very helpful if we could do this. Uh, maybe, uh, let's see, the four of you here or something, or maybe here, maybe three of you and the three of you here. Maybe the two behind you, something like that, and here. You're going to do it as a group, yeah. Yeah, discuss it as a group. Okay, somehow if you guys can get together in groups of three or four, and, here, and, and I, what I want you to do is try to um, work through this. Now, I gave you the presentation level of the problem in this case already. You're going to work through the performance level and the preconditioning level, okay? Uh, the, here's the presentation level of the problem. Here's the situation. Cain's offering was rejected by God. Although we are not told exactly why God rejected Cain's offering, we do know that it was unacceptable to God, possibly because it was not the best. Abel's was the firstborn, that is, the cost of their offering, expressing greater devotion to God. It doesn't matter why, okay? We don't know 100% why, okay? Uh, a, a good premonition would be because it wasn't the firstborn. Uh, it wasn't the first fruits, I mean. Uh, but uh, that doesn't matter. The point of the fact is that something happened, uh, Cain did something uh, that, that wasn't wrong. So uh, that's, that's what, what took place. Now, what I want you to do as a group is discuss, the, uh, uh, the, come up with what you would put into that box of the, his performance, Cain's behavior and responses. What does he say and do in response to what is going on? Work through that first, and then work through the preconditioning level problem. His thoughts, beliefs, desires, and motives. And when you do this, try to be very careful to put uh, behavior in behavior and not in uh, the heart, okay? Try to be very careful to put them in the right, uh, in the right categories. So go ahead, take a, let's take, I don't know, we can go about five, five minutes or so and, uh, and work on the performance level. What would you put in the performance level? Yeah. 
When you finish the performance level, go right to the preconditioning. Excellent. If you haven't moved to the preconditioning level, do so now. Move to the heart level. I'm not accepted in any 
Give me two more minutes. Okay, good, very good. Okay, that worked out, I think. All right, let's take a look at this here. Uh, we saw the presentation level, not a performance level, Kane's behavior and responses. Uh, let's see uh, what, what, what you have. Why, why don't you, uh, what, what, what was one of the things you had here on this side? Kane's uh, response is to kill. Uh, response to kill, good. Yep, how about here, what did you guys have? Another thing, something else? On the right. His face was falling. Good. How about it over here? He was angry. Mm-hmm. You two young ladies. Good. Yep. Mm-hmm. His face was falling. Over there. Oh, you guys back there. All the same. Good. He was angry, right? He was bitter. He was resentful. You know. Um, it was resentful of uh, against whom? Yeah, and Abel. Yeah, and he hardened his heart, didn't he, towards God? He also did. Anybody get that he felt pity for himself? Mm-hmm. He also Very good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jealousy toward Abel. Uh, or so, as you said, he killed. He killed Abel. Verse eight. And he also rejected what? God's counsel. Verse 7. Yeah. He rejected God's counsel, God's instruction. <clears throat> and then when we move to the, uh, uh, the root of the problem, Cain's thoughts and beliefs, you know, what does he want? Uh, what does he think about what's going on? What's the one that you had? What does he think about what's going on? Anybody? 
God's favoring his brother, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah, very good. God, God loves my brother more than me, right? And poor me. Yep. What else? Anything else? Uh, any other thoughts that you pick up? He wanted it. Um, we were talking about here on his terms. Yeah. And therefore, Amos is trying to grasp, I think, at God's sovereignty. Right. He's not satisfied mm-hmm. with God's sovereignty. Right. He wants to Yeah, which, which actually probably be a little bit... Uh, uh, better in the, in the next category, though his motives there. But um, he did. Anybody have that? He had uh, thoughts, uh, thoughts, and an attitude of revenge. You know, that's something that we don't know how much time took place after that incident with God, and he was in the field with Abel. But he apparently waited for a particular time to kill Abel. He had thoughts of revenge. So you know, some of his thoughts and beliefs. You know, poor me. God's not fair. Uh, attitudes and thoughts of revenge. God loves my brother more than he loves me. And now when we move to his desires and his motives, what does a Cain want out of what's going on? What does he want? Anyone? One thing. Except what he's offering, like he says, which is key on his own terms. Yep. He wants God to accept him and his offering, but on his own terms, not on God's terms. Anything else? What else does he want? (laughs) Anybody else? What else does he want? He really wants to what? Hurt who? Who does he want to hurt? Yeah, he wants to hurt God by killing by killing Abel. See, you're getting to the desires and the motives of his heart, what he wants, what's going on uh, within him. You, you see how this how this could be helpful, and and kind of uh, starting from what the problem is and and bringing yourself down uh, to a person's thoughts, beliefs, desires, and motives. Uh, being able to get to the root of the problem and then uh, being able to uh, not only expose that, but also able to um, instruct the person uh, in, in, in scripturally uh, what they should uh, be thinking, what their beliefs should be, and what their motives and desires should be. Amen? Amen. Any? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Any other comments or questions? Anybody else? Nothing? All right, let's pray. Father, we uh, uh, thank you uh, for gathering us together, um, not only in this group, but also in this conference. And we do pray, Lord, and trust that uh, you will use this conference and the various breakouts in the main sessions uh, as well, uh, to continue to help us uh, to be able to be more competent to counsel. 
we pray for your honor and glory. Amen. Amen. God bless.